0: $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited
1: more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: Hello everyone and welcome to this week's Squiggly Career podcast. I am Helen, one of the co-hosts of the podcast and I'm also here with Sarah. Hi everyone. And we're back together because last week Sarah went solo <laughs> uh, and she get jealous. <laughs> did you get jealous? She Uh, Well, you didn't didn't acknowledge me at all, so I'm just a bit bitter. No, 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 not at all. I loved it. I loved it. So Sarah last week did a podcast recording with Bruce Daisley, who has a great podcast that we love called Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat. And he was talking to Sarah about um, his book, The Joy of Work, which has just come out. And it was so funny. I listened to the podcast when I was in Manchester. Like, a proper like fan of the show (laughs) I was like actually genuinely listening and I was like this is so interesting and I was like writing notes and it is such I'm allowed to say it's really good because I wasn't on it it's such a good podcast I learned loads from it and and Sarah you managed it very very well I particularly enjoyed like the monk mode that Bruce Daisley talks about in his book that you called out Sarah about having these like points in the day where it's uninterrupted for work and I really like that and then the other bit I like was uh, I think Bruce called them interstitial so the breaks in our day like when you're waiting for a bus or you're having yes, a shower yeah, yeah. or when our when creative ideas. ideas yeah but actually we've become so like a bit productivity obsessed must multitask that actually maybe the amount of interstitials we allow ourselves to have has reduced and does that have an impact on our creativity I kind of pondered on that for quite a bit afterwards. Apart from forgetting to
1: acknowledge you, of which I'm now very sorry for and didn't, didn't quite realise I hadn't done. Um, I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm only joking. It's fine. Sort of fine. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, we're, we're still friends. It's, quite, though,
0: and it's, fine. it's probably quite apt, given we're about to talk about emotions. <laughs> <laughs> Is this therapy for Sarah and Helen? So this week then the podcast is going to be about managing emotions at work and I think within that we're probably focusing more on some of the negative emotions that people might feel at work but we are talking about all of it kind of when you're very happy super positive and actually kind of the other side of things and we're going to have um, I guess a bit of a conversation between the two of us about what are our thoughts on whether showing your emotions at work is a good thing or a bad thing do they help us in our career or at times do they hold us back so we'll share some of our experience And then we're also going to go through our top five tips to help you to manage your emotions at work, which is not to say to be emotionless. It's just to be able to manage your emotions in a way that works for you.
1: Yeah, and it's so interesting, because I was actually looking into, so like, what is an emotion? um, Mm. And this is almost why it's so complicated, because even science doesn't agree on what is an emotion, (laughs) uh, which always worries me, because I'm like, I I always think, like, science has all the answers. Science has the answer. Yeah, uh, so apparently there's kind of two camps of thought in terms of emotion. Some people, some scientists, think they are hardwired. So they're their evolutionary instincts. So essentially, it means they're like the same for everyone. And the example it gave, which then really helped me to understand it, is the Pixar film Inside Out. Have you seen okay. it? Okay, is have that the, the one where the sad they have, one? They basically bring to life the emotions inside the little girl's head with no, like joy and anger. That. Oh, it's really good. So you should definitely watch it. Right, but I've research also watched research, it a lot. A lot Pixar's with my uh, a lot with my toddler. But essentially, it shows like a character that is called joy, that's called sadness, that's called anger. And the idea is that essentially we all have those things in the same way. The second kind of camp of scientists think that emotions are actually learned and shaped by our culture. And that actually, it's quite compelling when you start to read about it because um, some cultures, for example, uh, like Eskimos, don't have any concept of anger. Anger's just not in their world. They just they have like different kinds of words for things that we would maybe recognize as being anger but they the way that they live and express things like sadness is just very different and they talk a lot about how we often judge someone's emotions based on their facial expressions which Mm. I found fascinating because somebody's facial expression is not how they are feeling but because we are almost like conditioned to look for certain things so if I'm smiling there's an assumption I'm happy but actually there's no reason why I couldn't be feeling sad or if my heart's beating really fast does that mean I'm excited or does that mean I'm nervous so it's a really interesting area to look into and some of the resources that we will reference at the end of the podcast if you just want to read more about kind of the science behind it a couple of those go into more detail
0: I find it really interesting when you're saying about people's faces because often Sarah and I deliver a lot of training programs for organizations to help them with career development and making work better. And one of the things that we always have to tell ourselves is that the way somebody's face looks, that sounds awful, yeah. but they're basically their expressions is what I mean, doesn't actually determine how they might feel about it. Because sometimes people look like, like they're really distracted Bored. or they're really not enjoying it. And then you go and talk to them and they're like, this course is amazing. and You're like, I never would have thought that was what you were thinking. So I think, yeah, making assumptions based on people's expressions is a bit of a dangerous ground. So in terms of your work then, Sarah, like how emotional do you think you get at work? Maybe like on a, a scale of one to 10, how much do you think your emotions come out at work?
1: So are we are we going to talk here specifically about negative emotions or are we talking about just, like, how emotional generally do I think I, I am? Think,
0: I, I think emotional generally, but maybe make a distinction. When you kind of do it, maybe the make yeah. a distinction.
1: Because actually I went back and forth on this a little bit. And it's really interesting because I'm, I'm trying to also imagine what other people would say and how well you see yourself in these sorts of situations. I kind of got to 6 out of 10. I'm quite a pragmatic person and I think definitely I show emotion in terms of passion and enthusiasm the difference actually as I was starting to think about it is I certainly feel a lot about work as in internally feel a lot and I was trying to work out is that the same thing as so I feel a lot of emotion but I'm not sure I always express a lot of emotion and I think there may be two different things and that's partly to do with you know me being a natural kind of introvert and I am quite pragmatic at work I'm quite action focused and also probably my background if you think about the cultures that I've grown up in I've grown up in some very big organizations where actually probably emotion wasn't the way to get stuff done it wasn't certainly what I've learned in terms of my own career and so yeah I don't think I'm naturally that emotional but I think I probably do have spikes in certain situations which we'll Mm. perhaps talk about in a bit what about you?
0: Oh yeah, just before I do mine, I was thinking about a term that I came across called emotional labour, which is basically when people are trying to mask their emotions, whether it's positive or, or negative. And when you're talking about, I feel a lot, but I don't always express it. Based on kind of that research, it would say that you are maybe you're experiencing emotional labour. You're kind of putting across a different feeling and that the the longer that you do that for and the the greater intensity. So if you're really angry and you're sort of smiling and pretending, the greater the intensity and the greater the duration that you experience emotional labour, the harder that is to deal with. And they actually talk about emotional burnout, um, which I think is quite an interesting thing.
1: I recognise that, I would say. I often don't express an emotion in the moment. And almost I get often frustrated at myself afterwards for having not done that, because sometimes I think it can be helpful. But almost, yeah, maybe it's probably partly my personality, partly conditioned, that I don't think I'm that emotional in the moment. I'm often quite calm, pragmatic. If somebody is really worried about something or something's not going to plan, often I'll get feedback that I'm calm and I can help people work through it, even if maybe that's not how you're actually feeling.
0: Yeah, I was just thinking about mine. We know when you said about positive and negative. I think, in terms of my expressing emotion at work, I'm probably, I'd say, about a seven. It is massively skewed by my positive emotions. So, I think, interesting to see what you think, Sarah. But I'm very, if I'm happy, you know it, I'm kind of bags of energy, super positive, create energy in other people. I generally don't express that much negative emotion, we'll talk about some of the different types of negative emotion maybe in a minute, but I think because I don't, do it my main probably one is a combination of frustration and irritation and because I don't do it very often I think when I do do it it's quite it's quite different to how I normally am so it's suddenly people are like oh my gosh Helen's really annoying yeah 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 yeah." and I had a situation about that last week and it's almost (laughs) like the way that for, for other people they might not even comment on that but because I'm normally so positive all it takes is me to say something like oh for goodness sake!" or is this really the best we can do? Or something like that. And people are like, Wow, Helen's in a terrible mood at the moment. But um yeah, so I think overall probably about seven, much more because I'm I have very visible positive emotions, I would say.
1: And so one of the things that I'm I'm really interested around emotions is how do you think this differs in terms of what you've just described, how emotional you are at work versus how emotional you are at home. So if we were both thinking about what we've just given ourselves in terms of on a scale of one to ten, I was then trying to work out, am I more emotional at home or less emotional? And I I actually think I'm probably more emotional at home, probably because I reckon I try to take my best self to work, but I think I bring (laughs) my whole self to home.
0: (laughs) That's so true. I'm the same. We've (laughs)
1: talked before about character and persona. And, you know, your character is your true self, your kind of authentic self. And persona, which is not a bad thing, is what you take to work every day. And, of course, we all have to adapt and kind of amend depending on the different situations that we find ourselves in so actually I wonder whether that'll be the same for lots of people or whether actually for some people it's different maybe at home actually they're less emotional because they are that's where they're calmer and have more stability I don't know
0: I it's funny you you spend more time at
1: work than you do at home but I'm
0: more Emotionally invested in the relationships I have at home. You know, like yeah, my, um yeah. the, the relationship with my husband or my children is like my biggest emotional investment. You're my best friend and business partner. Those relationships have far more emotional investment. So they'd probably maybe have more extremes of the emotion in them, maybe.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Good, good thing to reflect um, on. It is. And it's uh, when you start to look at the research as well about gender. The role of gender in emotions, I think, is fascinating. So I think one of the articles uh, that we'll post says that 41% of women say they've cried at work within the last year versus 9% of men. What this article talks about is that both men and women experience emotion at work, but through, more typically, women, it expresses itself through crying, whereas men, it expresses itself through exploding. (laughs) So (laughs) actually, like, getting angry or barking at somebody or kind of something, shouting at someone, something like that. What do you reckon? Do you think you fulfil the stereotypes here? Or do you not really recognise either? Or do you explode? Yeah, yeah, I do. I don't think I explode. Do you think I've ever exploded? No, I was just trying to think then. I'd quite like it if you had. It would make me laugh, but I can't, <laughs> That's
0: I, I can't so think mean. of an example. I know, sorry. I, I don't <laughs> think... I'm not really an exploder. There's definitely a situation or two where, I, where I've cried, and I'm going to talk about one of those. But I can see it in other people, though. I can definitely... Um, Mm. If I think about people that I've managed or just peers and friends, I can see those that kind of women might kind of express more kind of a tearful emotional output, whereas a guy is a bit more with words, a bit more verbose, a bit that anger comes out in that way. It's interesting as well. There's some research that has shown that there are five consistent negative emotions. And so that point around men and women, they feel the same emotions. It's exactly the same. And the five are, the first one's frustration and irritation. second one's worry and nervousness. third one's anger and aggravation the fourth one's dislike and the fifth one's disappointment and they're the same five emotions for men and women it's just how they express them it's different so it's not that women are more emotional or they feel these things more than men it's just it might potentially be
1: more visible but everyone is experiencing the same negative emotions yeah so should we talk about of those five which ones we think we've experienced and kind of what caused it and maybe what we've done about it if anything
0: Yeah okay gosh but I feel like I'm taking a deep breath and I will (laughs) go first then I think of those five I don't really express anger I don't really feel anger generally but I think for me frustration I find really difficult and a bit of disappointment I would say probably the two negative emotions that come into play for me on the frustration one Sometimes it's about other people and their behaviour. Sometimes it's about my behaviour. But sometimes when I'm frustrated, say it's in a meeting, I feel like I can't maybe express what I'm feeling. And so I will then, my eyes might fill up and... I feel like I'm not crying because I'm upset. I'm crying because I'm frustrated with the situation. (laughs) And then you get in this like really annoying thing, like I don't want to cry because then you'll see and you'll think I'm upset that you said this, but I'm not upset. I'm in this horrendous emotional cycle that's mainly going on in your head and maybe your eyes. And yeah, I find that quite tricky to manage because I'm sort of expressing an emotion that I don't want to because you can literally see it in my eyes if I'm tearing up and it's not...
1: Well, I guess that's the point, isn't it, earlier about assumptions about physical things so there the assumption could be that because you're crying or you're, your eyes are kind of welling up a bit that you're really struggling or you're getting really upset so the emotion could be upset whereas actually what you're saying is the emotion is frustration yes and they're, yes. And they're, they're actually quite different things yeah that's often I think almost causes even more frustration because you know that you're not upset it's just that you're frustrated
0: yeah yeah totally it's, it's, yeah I've definitely had cycles in my head when I've been like stop Crying, and then you kind of like now you're getting frustrated because you're crying. I, and there's a book I really like um, that Cheryl Sandberg and Adam Grant wrote called Option B, and she talks about can't remember the exact term, but something about like double loop emotions. So in that situation, I am frustrated, so I start to cry. And then I get frustrated because I'm crying, and you almost get stuck. So it's almost like you're stressed at work, and then you get stressed because you're stressed, and you're like, "Why am I so stressed?" And do you see what I mean? You get in this double loop emotion that doesn't really actually work for you. And I think that sometimes happens to me if I'm if I'm feeling frustration.
1: Yeah, and I think I was thinking about which ones I experience the most. I actually think sometimes I do get angry, but I'm not sure people would see it. But I definitely do get angry when it's always quite a particular scenario, but it's when I think people are being unfairly treated. It's always about people or where I think somebody's behavior is not acceptable. I get really angry. But my reaction to that is very much to kind of internalize it. But I am almost like aggressively angry it's just that nobody would see that I was reading one of the books around emotion and it it gave kind of analogies as to like what happens to you when you're overly kind of emotional and one of the pictures was of a clam you know like the shell Mm. clam and I was like oh I'm a clam because basically when Mm. I get angry or I'm also somebody who definitely a bit more of like a worrier at that point in both of those scenarios what happens to me is I become a clam so essentially I sort of get quite internalised, almost withdraw a little bit, stop being able to contribute to the conversation, which also gets me quite frustrated. And I almost just kind of close up. So I'm definitely not, doing anything to try and resolve the situation because I'm then I'm almost feeling my emotions so much you know like you're Mm. overly feeling them so when I was like looking at these illustrations in this book that's really good it's called no hard feelings it's got lovely like illustrations in I was looking at it and and I was just being like oh that's me I'm a little clam
0: (laughs) (laughs) I haven't read this book yet I want want to see which illustration I would have
1: (laughs) I think you probably might be different I think I think yeah um, I don't think I'm a clam no, no, I don't think you are. And one of the things it talks about, if you do recognise that, and I wouldn't say I'm brilliant at these things, is that to kind of reopen and to kind of re-engage, actually what you need to do is focus on yourself, focus on what you can do, what you can improve, how you can contribute, and stop worrying about everyone else. I think there's a tendency, if you kind of are clam-like, to almost start to worry about things that are not even facts, You know, you're worrying about feelings or implications or what happens if this happens or what happens if they think that or saying those things. And it's just like, well, are those things facts? No, they're not. Mm. So in which case, focus on what you know and what you can do for yourself. And really interestingly, it's funny how these things like always add up. I remember once doing some voice coaching through a leadership program that I was on. And the guy that was coaching me said I'd got really shallow breathing. Interesting. And apparently, feedback. yeah, apparently people who are a bit more like this do have <laughs> d- less less ability to kind of take deep breaths. And one of the things that can really help you is deep breathing. And I wonder if there's a bit of a correlation with the fact that also, like, I can't meditate. And you know some some of those things that I struggled with. I was like, oh my god, this picture turned you into a research study. <laughs> yeah, that's what I felt like when I started reading this. I was like, I'm a little specimen for this research, <laughs> a little clam specimen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection. Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. okay so now we've established that i'm clam like should we go on to top tips to make <laughs> us all feel a bit better let's move on
0: to action okay so i'll go with the first one then so the first tip that i think can help with managing your emotions is to focus on do you know i was going to do a really bad pun then i was going to say be be selfish do you get it no. uh, so be <laughs> as be selfish about your emotions oh god it's terrible but um i what i mean is focus on your <laughs> Focus on your own emotions and not somebody else's. So you can't change how someone else is reacting to you if they're getting angry at you because you're expressing emotion. Like, that's their bag and their emotion. What you can do is focus on yourself. Now, if you are expressing one of the emotions that you, you, you might not want to or it's coming out in a way that you don't want to, one of those five emotions that we talked about... Then I found some um, research that's quite interesting, which says that the most effective thing that you can do is to create some kind of pause between the situation and your response. And the advice that the person gave, she's written a book, a lady's called Anne Creamer, who's written a book called Always Personal, Navigating Emotion in the New Workplace. The advice she says to create that pause between the situation and your response is to get up and get a glass of water. So let's say you're having a, a conversation, it has become difficult to you, and you're experiencing one of those emotions, maybe the frustration, anger, irritation, whatever it is, and potentially maybe you feel some kind of, you feel like you're going to explode like Sarah said, or maybe you feel like you're going to cry. If you get up and go and get a drink of water, so you might say I'm just going to grab a drink of water, be back in one minute, what happens is the physical movement of your body resets your parasympathetic, I think that's how you say it, nerve system and it forces your body into a different mindset. The idea of physically getting up can help you just to get a Little bit of control over your emotions. You're basically looking to get a little bit of a pause. So be selfish, concentrate on your responses, and then in the moment, if you can, try not to react immediately, create some kind of pause, potentially getting up. That kind of bodily movement can help you reset and be a bit more in control of the response that you want to have.
1: Great. So the second top tip is to remember that your feelings aren't facts. And I do find this really helpful. Someone once said to me, always be really clear in work whether what you're saying is an opinion or a fact. And opinions and feelings are completely valid and really useful, but they aren't objective facts, and it's worth just remembering that. And there's a really lovely quote from Alain de Botton, who is a philosopher, and he's also the founder of the School of Life, and he says, Every human will frustrate, anger, annoy, madden and disappoint us. <laughs> And we will, without any malice, do the same to them. And I think that's so meaningful and I can really understand that because I often think there's a real difference between intent and impact. I always like to hope and think that the majority of people come to work and do their jobs with a really positive intent, that they are trying their best and that you want to achieve good things. But sometimes the impact of maybe how something is communicated or how somebody responds to a situation doesn't feel positive. But often you correlate those two things together. You kind of go, well, somebody's just got really angry or got really upset or just been negatively emotional. And then you'll correlate that back to the intent that they're trying to have. And I think just sometimes remembering, if you start on that assumption that everybody is trying their best and that feelings are valid, but they're not fact. I think that really helps you to start thinking about your own emotions. So how do you regulate your own emotions? And I really like this idea of emotional regulation and actually just using your emotions wisely and usefully for yourself, but also about how you kind of react to others. Because sometimes it's about your own emotions, sometimes it's about how you react to other people who are being emotional in what perhaps feels like a kind of negative way.
0: I really like that quote. Um, yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah, it's really, it kind of also, it's like you have a right to be emotional. I think that's probably my tip number three, actually, is that you don't have to be perfect and positive all the time Um, and you can show some vulnerability and you can show some of these negative emotions you definitely shouldn't turn them off I'm actually getting really interested in um, a researcher and a professor at Cass Business School is a guy called Andre Spicer I'm intending to meet him very soon I just need to get it in the diary but he has done quite a lot of work on why actually it's not great to be positive all the time and why just talking about being happy at work almost sets people people up to fail and that actually expressing some kind of negative emotions is actually a lot healthier Uh, I think it's just it's worth I, I will link to some of his writing it is really interesting and there was one piece of research that I read about people who it's something about like drinking a glass of water they did some research and the people that imagined themselves drinking a lovely glass of water were then less inclined to go and make some effort to get it and the insight was that actually sometimes positive thinking doesn't actually always help motivation and that actually sometimes some negative feelings and negative emotions can actually drive action in a different way so they are not all bad and actually being positive all the time and especially pretending to be positive when you don't feel it creates that kind of emotional labor and burnout thing do you know i once
1: got that exact feedback at work Uh um about being too positive so i think because i am naturally a positive person and try to bring that enthusiasm to what i do somebody actually who was brilliant who i worked for said to me it is okay sometimes to say that things are not going well And to say that there's a problem or that something's challenging or you're finding something difficult, you don't have to be universally positive because essentially people know that it's not realistic. Mm. So it's not very nuanced in your approach. And this was feedback based on also me progressing and wanting to kind of move into more senior roles. And, you know, their point was You've got to be able to take the rough with the smooth, and you need to be able to demonstrate that you understand that and can adapt. And it goes back to this agility. So, the two things I was reading a bit about one was emotional regulation, the other one was emotional agility, and sometimes like knowing and picking those moments when actually you do need to say, Okay, this doesn't feel like we're in a good place, and oh, I don't feel good about where we are with this project, this is why, and not just to be like, No, it'll be okay, we'll find a way. Which I know sounds like potentially a better way, but, but it isn't always helpful. Mm. And so the fourth top tip, which took me a little while to get my head around, but I think I agree with it, is to care a bit less. So initially I was like, oh, I don't know, because I think it's work is such a big part of our identity now. It's really important to kind of care about your work. But then when I started to read about this, essentially what they're really talking about is the tipping point of like, when are you caring too much? So you know that thing of you can get a bit addicted to work and certainly you and I have both been there and you're so in it that you are almost like obsessively taking phone calls or checking your phone all the time or almost like I couldn't possibly be away for like one day. Everything's going to fall over without me. And again, in that No Hard Feelings book, they got some really good illustrations of like people like being on the beach and sort of like paddling, but also being on the phone, being like, yeah, no, it's absolutely fine to chat now um and to be honest I sort of I thought actually I don't have to think that far back to examples of where I've done something a tiny bit like that not quite as extreme but it is okay to care a bit less because actually for your own self-care and I think self-care is being talked about um, much more now there is no shortage of evidence that we all need breaks, that you need to spend time doing things that is not work-related with people who are not work-related for your own mental health and well-being. And if you do that, you will be better at your job anyway. So almost what I got to, my conclusion was if you do really care about your work, then you need to care about self-care because it will make you even better at your work. Ah,
0: that's a nice way. So yeah. Thanks. I was quite proud of that. less, but self-care more.
1: (laughs) Yeah, equals caring more at (laughs) work.
0: Okay, I like it. I like your spin. So my last tip is about uh, managers, actually, because I think managers can do a lot to help or hinder emotions at work. So if you're a manager and you're pretending everything's perfect and positive all the time, you're not really creating an environment that's going to be comfortable for other people to express their emotions. Also, if you don't ever entertain other people's emotions, so if someone's kind of seems a bit upset or seems a bit angry and you get really awkward and you're like okay well we'll just catch up next week then you're not allowing people to express that at work um and there's um, again some stuff that I read that said that actually kind of these people that are hiding their emotions or feel that they can't express it they ultimately become quite resentful at work and less productive so this is not a great thing for the organization what I think managers can do is um, the first thing is to create a sense of psychological safety at work. There's been an awful lot of um, research done on this by somebody called Amy Edmondson. And you can find a lot of it through um, the Google's, is it called Rework? Rework yeah. Yeah. Google Rework, stuff. yeah. You can find a lot of Amy Edmondson's research there. So the first thing is create an environment where people feel safe to share emotion. And then I have sometimes you have to invite them as a manager. So you have to ask them how they feel, you might need to create a situation where they there's a bit of a prompt for them to express it. And not only have you got to invite them to share how they feel how you're feeling at the moment what's on your mind you've also then got to make the time to listen so it's not as easy as at the end of a one-to-one when you've got two or three minutes left you go in. so how are you feeling at the moment and then you go okay well I've got to go now because I've got a meeting like Mm. you've you've opened Pandora's box so they'd be my three things create psychological safety for your team model some of the behaviors like Sarah said earlier second invite people to express their feelings and
1: third make sure you make time to listen for it and actually, one of the top tips I took from my mental health first aider course is the difference between asking, oh, how are you feeling or how are you doing versus how are you feeling today? Mm-hmm. Or how are you doing today? So, again, just when you're asking that question, grounding it in that particular moment in that kind of work situation. And then, as you say, giving people the space to then tell you, because often it's when you ask that, that's when I've seen people then actually get quite upset Because actually, then suddenly you've just given them permission to say, actually, I'm feeling really bad, whether it's something to do with work or not. But you have got to give people the time. So sometimes it's not a bad way to start a conversation, even if it means you don't get through the to do list. If there's something really on someone's mind, I think asking it at the start rather than at the end is another good tip
0: that's actually something that comes up again in the um that option b book that i mentioned so i'll link that in the resources option b is specifically about bereavement really it talks about cheryl sandberg's um losing her husband and as it sounds horrible to say as a story for the book but as a constant to think about how you can help people dealing with bereavement at work and also deal with it yourself so i guess in the context of, of emotions for this podcast it could be a useful read for you we will put all the resources we've got loads of resources this week because i think the more sarah and i got into this the more articles and research <laughs> we've carried away we got basically yeah, we just got really really interested in it i feel like i could do lots of podcasts on this so all of the things that we found that interested us and um, there's some articles there's linked to books there's some videos we will put on the blog that accompanies this podcast so go over to amazingif.com and you'll find that article there So next week, then the topic we're going to cover is influence at work. We're going to be whether it's kind of people, projects, outcomes. We're going to be looking at some of the theory behind influence, talk about some stuff that's worked for us at work as well. And make sure as ever you get loads of actionable tips so that you can hopefully improve your influence at work as well
1: and as always uh thanks so much to everybody who shares the podcast with your friends colleagues family and takes the time to review the podcast um, we really do appreciate it and it makes a real difference to us uh, reading all your feedback if you do want to recommend a podcast topic this week's was actually one that kind of was a request that came through to us please do let us know you can get in touch with us on instagram at amazing if follow us on twitter at amazing underscore if or just drop us an email at get in touch at amazing love to know your thoughts uh, love to know your ideas uh, we read everyone and they make us super happy they do <laughs> <laughs> so thanks very much for listening today and we look forward to speak to you again next week bye for now bye